Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. All right, we are in the uh, final week of our uh, sermon series called Heroes. And oh, I got an aw, that's all right, okay, good. And so, um, (laughs) thank God, that's good. Uh, Week five, and so uh, it's been really fun. We talked uh, a little bit uh, about just different characters and obviously in the Bible, and so um, you can't quite get all of it in one message. But we're able to, to jump in and get some of it. And so uh, we talked about Abraham. We talked about Joseph. We talked about Moses. Last week, we talked about Esther. And today, we're going to... No, and so uh, I'm not going to tell you. So Hebrews 11, uh, let me give kind of the idea behind this series. It comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where there's a big therefore in reference to chapter 11. And so in chapter 11, it lists out some of the different... Old Testament heroes of the faith. And so it gives us some of the people that are, have, have led a life of faith. And, and, and the, the idea of the scripture here in chapter 12 is that they're cheering us on. And so let's read it. Um, it says, therefore, therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses, that means all these people that have gone before us, these people that are cheering us on, this cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So the whole goal is, is to throw off, not just the sin, but to throw off everything that hinders and let us run with perseverance. And really, I love that phrase because it's the author of Hebrews saying, I know this is hard. It, let us run with perseverance. You got to persevere. And so for us, as we live out walking with Jesus in our context, it's the author Kind of saying, we know that it's going to require perseverance. It's not an easy thing. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. And so the idea of this series has been that you have a race to run. God has a calling on your life. There is your race and your race looks different than the person sitting next to you that you just looked away from a minute ago. Your race looks different than your parents' race. Your race looks, you've got your own race. And we kind of developed this idea like what would happen if if we could look at the lives of some of the people in the Old Testament and some of these, some of these people could give us encouragement from their race. So it was, what would Moses say if he could jump out of the stands, the cloud of witnesses and come and say, hey, David, here's how you run with perseverance. Or what would it look like if we had Esther? We talked about her last week. And uh, today, the person that we're gonna kind of pull out of the stands, go back, look at their life and say, what's the gold? What are the things that they understood or that embodied their life? And obviously there's a lot, but we wanna highlight some of them. And today, the person is, can I get a guess? All right, I can't. Elisha, all right? So Elisha, yeah, there it is. I know, you gotta work hard for excitement when you're dealing with church, but we're going there. All right, so Elisha, 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's read this and then I'll pray, all right? Great moment here. This is the moment where Elijah comes and calls Elisha. Here we go, 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. Now, some people get these mixed up. Elijah, Elisha, it's real easy. It's Elijah first and then 
After him is Elisha. It's alphabetical, Ja and Sha. So you can always remember who came first. Um, I learned that in Sunday school in the basement of a church. Um, yeah, with felt boards. All right. All right, it says this. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Whew. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Father, we love you today. God, we ask as we look at the life of this prophet Elisha, that we would grow in running our race with perseverance. We, find, we ask that we would find these ideas in the scriptures that would help us to endure, that would help us to fix our eyes on Jesus when we're tired. I pray that people today that are here that feel burnt out, that feel tired, would find spiritual vibrance, encounter, life, fuel to keep running, to fix their eyes on you, that we would throw off everything that hinders, that we would get rid of the sin that easily entangles, and God, that we would finish the race that you've called us to run. God, we love you. We honor you in Radiant Church. Say amen. amen. I was talking recently with uh, a friend who attends the church here, and he's in his 40s, and he's really a great leader, and we were talking about his journey. And as he talked about his journey of following God, he began to talk about some of the things that he had lost along the way that the world applauds because of his hunger to fulfill his destiny, his hunger to fulfill God's call on his life. And so we live in a world that says, hey, here is what you should do. You should choose the life you want to live. Yet we follow Jesus who tells us to run after him. And then if we'll run after him, we'll actually find life. But there's always kind of this temptation to pursue the life I want instead of the life that Jesus gives for us. There's always this temptation to kind of create a hybrid where we kind of say, I kind of want to do my thing. I kind of want to get, get what I want and then get, I'll get a little Jesus to boot, you know, a little Jesus frosting. And I, and I still kind of live out what I want to do, but I, I do enough God stuff to kind, of, to kind of feel okay about myself. And he was telling me this idea and he comes from this great family in terms of American capacity, American ability. He comes from great education and he's actually got great, companies on his resume that he's worked for. And we were talking about if he were to give his life in pursuit of that, how those things would open up for him. And he was telling me about his hunger for God. He was telling me about how he had just essentially left <clears throat> all of that behind in order to pursue the call of God on his life. And I'm sitting there, you know, listening to this 21st century version of a man who said, I'll get rid of all these things because the, the, the desire that I have, the thing that feeds me the most is I want God more than I want anything. I want God's call on my life more than I want any other financial benefit, insurance benefit. I just, I want, I want to stand before God and have accomplished the thing that he wanted me to accomplish. And when we look at this story of Elijah and Elisha, pretty powerful because we find Elisha 
and he's behind a plow. And all of a sudden, the greatest prophet in Israel, Elijah, comes. And there's a whole lot we could pull from this text. Here's one of the ones that I love the most. I just, I love this idea of here's a man who quickly says, I'll go. So Elijah throws the cloak and the idea is come be my servant, come be my apprentice, come walk with me. Here's my coat. And Elisha has a split second. I'm coming. And he doesn't just come, but he kind of, it's kind of like a big finale moment. Like it's a little bit, like when I just read it, it's a little bit of a dramatic moment because Elijah comes, offers Elisha to step into God's call on his life and look at the response. He says, let me go kiss my parents. Let me go say goodbye. Let me go honor the people that have raised me. And then he says, I'm gonna go and he, he kills the oxen. This was his means, his job, his financial way of success. And then he goes and he burns the plow. <laughs> like I was thinking about this and thinking, all right, let's just think about this moment. If you live in the same village as Elisha, there's a part of you that's like, bro, let me have the plow, bro. <laughs> like, you could, uh, I mean, they didn't have eBay, they didn't sell online, but it could be like, bro, I'll take it. Like, Better than a one-time bonfire. Hey, bro, the, we don't need, I, I, let me, you can sell off those oxen. Hey, I'll hold on to them while you're gone. Maybe you'll come back. Now, you could have gone a lot of different ways. If you're mom and dad, you're like, hey, your boy's leaving. And I just love this immediate response in Elisha that's just a, you know what? I'm not turning back from the call of God on my life. And Elijah came knocking and I'm running. So burn the plow. I mean, kill the oxen. I'm going. And I just think about this in terms of our lives because our temptation is we say yes to Jesus and you said, okay, I'm gonna follow God. I'm gonna give him everything. And Elisha's journey is different than our journey because we have so much in front of us. And I think that our temptation is to secretly hold on to the plow. Like secretly hold on to, if this doesn't work out, I know I'm called to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference. But if I don't feel like it's working out for me, I'm gonna figure out how to go back and get those oxen and go back and fix up that American dream. And I just wanna invite you to think about what would it look like for you to actually have an Elisha response that goes, no turning back. No, I'm, and what, it, what is it in your journey? Because some of you, what you like to do is you like to go, all right, I'm gonna give you everything, Jesus. And so this is the spouse that I married. This is the one that God's called me to. These are my babies. This is my, the, the job that you've called me. You've called me to make a difference in this company. This is the city that you've called me to. But sometimes our temptation is the enemy comes in and he starts lying to you and he says, ah, would have been better if you'd have just done it your way. Maybe if you would have just, maybe if you would have just married a different person, maybe if you would just, hey, live for self, live for pleasure, rather than some kind of focused mission for God. Hey, maybe you should pursue wealth and status instead of laying your life down for others. And there's that temptation in all of us to just go back just go back to the plow, just go back. And one of the things that we in error do is we go back 
And you just get online and you just, just look at the website of, what, 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 what if I'd have done that? Or you, or you scroll a little bit. <laughs> Uh-oh, got real quiet. I wonder if, I wonder, what, what, would it, what would it look like if, what would it look like if I was with him or with her? What, what would it look like if, if, if I would have made a different decision and, and I could have ended up in the NBA? I mean, I could, just looking back and, I mean, and living with this kind of like, if I had adjust and me and your story gets about your own comfort, your own desires, and it's easy to possess this regret. And I want to invite you to think about the same thing when Jesus invited his disciples to come and follow me. It's a turning my back on those things and I'm not looking back, I'm, blur I'm burning the plows. I am not going back. I'm not going back on Christ. I'm not going back on the, the things that he's called me to. I'm not, I have settled it. And so to invite you to start to think about what does it look like for you to burn the plow? What does it look like for you to just get rid of the oxen? I am not going back to the life I used to know. Jesus, you have my everything. And Jesus was pretty clear, like when the rich young ruler came up to him and said, I'll follow you. And Jesus called him to leave everything. And he went away sad because he had great wealth and he didn't really want to give everything. And I think it's easy for us to have in the back of our mind, I'm holding on to some comforts just in case this destiny that God has on my life doesn't work out for me. Here's what I invite you to, is to begin to look at where is that kind of compromise in my life? And it may not be in the form of action. It may just be in the form of thoughts. It may just be, God wants you staring at scripture so you know your calling. <laughs> and, and we're scrolling on screens, tempted to compromise. Like we're just, we're, we got so much where we're looking at other things and Jesus is going, fix your eyes on me, the author and perfecter of your faith. You want to run with perseverance? You want to make it to the end? I think Elisha would pop up on the screen, run a lap with you and go, hey, burn your plow. Hey, get, don't stop looking back. Don't look back. Right? I love um, the old story about, about Cortez, the explorer. And you know this story because every evangelical band writes a song about it where he arrived in Mexico and his, his men, instead of exploring, wanted to live in the ships right? And so instead of going and exploring, they, they were too comfortable in the ships. And so it's the story of where Cortez says, no, we're, 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 we came here to explore. We're not going to hang out on the beaches and live in the ships. And so the story is he got all the sailors off of the ships and then he lit the ships on fire and he burned the ships. And he said, we're not going back. We're exploring. And so like in my journey, 1991, Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a song called Burn the Ships. It was cool. He had like, you know, back then he had a mullet. So did I, which was amazing. And so he was like a hero. And I couldn't listen to secular music. Sorry, Katie. I couldn't listen to, I, I could only listen to Christian music. I'll put it that way by my parents. And so Stephen Curtis Chapman was kind of the, the, he was the hipster of the day. You know, he was cool. He had that song, Burn the Ships. You know, and I, I just listened. I loved that song. And it was about burning the ships. I listened to The Light 105, 104.9, Oklahoma City. The Light 105. Anyway, and so I'd listen to that and wait for that song, Burn the Ships, to come around. And I, I loved that song. And it was about, I got the idea. I knew it. My kids today, they don't wait for any radio. They just scream at Alexa, Alexa! <laughs> they play King and Country's song, Burn the Ships. It's not as clear. I mean, Chapman's given history. You can read the lyrics. King and Country, you're just yelling at Alexa, not sure what they're talking about. Anyway, I, 
boom, give me 1991. But anyway, so... But it's that idea that is, I, I'm, I'm, burning, I'm burning these things. I'm burning these ships, burning these bridges. I'm not turning back. And I think it's in Elisha, and I just want it to get in us. God, I'm not going back. I'm not turning. And sometimes it's not necessarily that you're going to turn on salvation. It's that you're going to turn on destiny. Meaning, sometimes it's not that you're giving up on God. It's that you're, you're giving up on the fullness of what he has for you. You go, hey, I can get like a foot. <laughs> I can get a foot in the Christian world, a foot in my world, whatever that thing is that you like to pursue and just kind of marinate right there for a couple decades. But the Jesus calling, it far surpasses any kind of thing where you're just doing the half and half. No, it's all in. And today, I think if Elisha was running around with us, a lab, look at you, come on now. When God calls, when Elijah shows up at your door and says, you have a destiny, you have a calling, put this coat on, run with me, let's go. It's like, mm, kiss mom and dad, mm, kill those oxen. I'm not going back to farming. Maybe he was excited. Whew, I'm not going back to farming. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be a different message. <laughs> uh, but he's got this, it's, it's this determination. It's I'm out of here. It's I'm going to go do what God's called in my life. And I want to invite you to have that kind of grit where you're saying, there is a calling on my life and I'm going to pursue it. I'm not giving up on it. I'm going to go after it and I'm going to burn some of the ships. I'm going to burn the plows. I'm going to burn some of the things that I'm tempted to go back to, to find a source of life. That's not Christ's life. It's your own life. It's what you like. And say, I, I could have been famous. I could have married him. I could have married, I could have, I could have bought that. I could have worked for that company. I could have, I could have. And it's, and it's, it's slowing you down from the race. It's, 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 you got to throw off the things that are entangling you, hindering you, keeping you from fulfilling how God's called you to discover your purpose and make a difference. And if you'll, if you'll throw those things off, if you'll just, I'm not going back. And it might not be scrolling on screens. It, it could be in conversation. It could be just thoughts that you have in your mind. It could be a whole lot of ways, but it's where you're allowing yourself to think about the past, about what could have been instead of living in, hey, my life is but a mere breath. I got this little window of time to give everything to Jesus and I'm all in. I'm going after it. I'm gonna give God everything. I think the other thing that is interesting to me about Elisha is that he's, he's working as a farmer, diligently in obscurity when we find him. And I think that it's a beautiful part for us to just realize, we tend to try to like to make some things happen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push my own destiny. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna force things. And yet with Elisha, when Elijah finds him, he is diligently serving, diligently working, diligently going after what God had in front of him. It's all he had right there. And he was doing it with excellence. And I, I, I'm amazed how much this idea of working diligently in obscurity comes up all through the Bible. Yeah. And we live in a culture that loves star power, fame, uh, stages, screen, all that kind of stuff. And yet we find David in the field in obscurity. Yeah, I mean, we find, if, if you look at each kind of hero, there's massive, there's massive seasons in their lives where they're unknown in obscurity, where God is preparing them. Yes. 
It's a part of every Christian journey. It's a part of your calling. It's a part of the way that God forms you. And we so want to get out of it. We so want to like push our way to where I don't, I don't, I don't like obscurity. I, 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 I like to be seen. And yet these stories, and we go, I go back through each one of them and you can find it. I mean, Joseph, faithful, Potiphar's house, obscurity. Wait a minute, I had big dreams. I mean, Moses is years, years as a goat herder, right? And it's something that God is doing in you in those seasons. And I think Elisha, maybe on lap two, when he's looking at us, is he'd say, hey, serve faithfully in obscurity. Be, be, be faithful. We've got moments where David kills Goliath, but there's moments where David is just in the field singing worship songs to God. And we've, we've got mo moments where Joseph suddenly is pulled out of the prison and able to become the second in charge in Egypt. But we've got a lot of his story where he's in Potiphar's house serving or where he's even in prison, right? I mean, you got stories where Samuel's just worshiping God before he's ever the great prophet. Here's my, my point is every one of us have that in our spiritual journey. So don't get to where you love the applause of man, get to where you love the applause of God. Get to where you go. There is a day where, actually the way that Jesus says it is he says that in Matthew 6, he says that he's going to reward everything that's done in secret. So prayer, fasting, giving, and it is giving financially, but I want you to think you giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Like whatever you give, and God's going, there will be a day where you will receive reward. What happens if in your heart, and in your mind, you've got this win. My win is I want God's applause, God's reward more than any reward that anyone could ever give me. It's hard to get there, but if we can get there, it'll change the way that you live Monday through Saturday. I mean, it'll, it'll affect how you live because you're like, I'm, I'm actually, actually, I'm not chasing after the applause or the position or the prestige. I'm chasing after the rewards that last for a lot longer than this life. And I want them. I remember when I was um, 23, first came on staff at a church and they had a Christian bookstore. And, uh, and there was this nice lady that worked in the Christian bookstore. And I think she was in her maybe late 70s, maybe 80s. I mean, but, but she was this older lady and super kind. And I used to always thank her because she would go out of her way to, to help me, you know, like to take care of me. And so I'd, I'd come in and I'd, you know, order coffee and she'd take care of me. And, and she, she, she really liked me. I don't know why, but she liked me. So she was like giving me free books and you should read this. And, and so I just, you know, really started to like this lady. Well, I, I came in with this friend, this pastor who was visiting, and I started to just tell him how great this nice lady was in the bookstore. And she looked at me and she goes, David, stop flattering me. I'm going to lose my blessing. <laughs> and I was 23 and I, I mean, I'd already gotten a theology degree, but I had no idea what she was talking about. I was like, I'm going to, you're going to lose your blessing. Like what? Like, and you know, I just remember shrugging off like, uh, she's, I don't know, I don't know, you know, like old Christians, sometimes they don't make sense. <laughs> Until now, when I've been studying the word a little longer. 
and realize here's something beautiful in the heart of this lady that goes, I'm not living for some punk 23-year-old's flattery. No, I'm doing this for God. I'm helping out this young, dumb preacher that doesn't even know his Bible yet so that he can get better. Give him the coffee, give him the free book. I'm sure he ain't read that yet. You know, like she's trying to help me out and she wants rewards from heaven. And, and I just think if we could lock in with, all right, much of my life is being faithful in obscurity because I'm living for his reward, his applause, what he gives me, not what people do. And if you get that, then that jealousy in your heart towards Katie Reed because she gets to come up here and play this role, then that jealousy in your heart towards whoever plays for Virginia last night. I mean, you know, like, like whoever it is you tend to, in, sorry, 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 sorry. Whoever it is, you tend to go, if I could just, if I could just show that I could dunk, if I could just show that I could, if I could, no, 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 dial back. All right, I got, you got a bigger vision than the applause in an arena. You got a bigger vision than the likes on Instagram. You got a bigger vision than a position that someone at the company can give you. Well, if, if, I, if I cheat a little here and cheat a little there, I can get that spot and that'll get me a bigger salary and that'll give me the corner office, baby, and that'll give me some prestige. And that will not give you the reward that you want that lasts forever. And I just want you to invite, I think, I think we'd have Elisha, who goes and serves Elijah. Not only is he found serving on a farm faithfully, but by the time he receives the mantle in 2 Kings 2, it's been years. And scholars kind of have different ideas. I read some that said four years, some that said 10 years. We don't really know exactly how many years. I, but, but it's been years that he didn't, he didn't go to be Elijah's boss. He didn't leave his mom, burn the plow and burn and, and kill the oxen to go be a, a, a famous leader right then. He went to go be Elijah's servant to help him out. Later in 2 Kings 3, one of the kings refers to, hey, where's that man of God? Where's that man, Elisha? He's the one that pours water on the hands of Elijah. Okay, just that was a statement of, that's what a servant would do. So his reputation was, he's the one who helps that old prophet out. He's the servant of that prophet. That's what he does. His reputation at that point wasn't the power of God. It was, he's the servant that helps out the big prophet. And I just think there's something beautiful in that, where he is faithfully serving the man of God before he ever steps into his destiny. Before he ever steps into it, his reputation becomes he's the servant. It's what Jesus is. It's what Jesus calls us to be. And that servant role often is in obscurity from men, but visible to God. People don't applaud, but God does. And I think, I think Elisha would look at you and go, hey, don't settle for applause from men and on screens and in crowds. No, no, no. Rethink your mind. How can you fix your heart and your mind to where what you're living for is you're serving in secret with a vision of a great reward in eternity. Hard to preach, or easy to preach, hard to live. Really hard to live because we live in a culture that always tells us to live for man's applause. Come on. 
It's available out there. Go fight for it. Go get it. And the way of the Christian that says, I'm not living for that. It's hard. Richard Foster said in his book, Celebration of Disciplines, more than any other single way, the grace of humility is worked in our lives through the discipline of service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. The flesh whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. If you will give your best in obscurity, God will recognize it. Others may or may not, but God will. He is a God that does reward those who seek him. And Jesus made it clear, servant secret. And don't live for man's reward. And I think we see that in the life of Elisha. Last thing is this. Let's go to Second uh, Kings chapter two. This is the, the famous story where Elijah goes to heaven and passes his mantle off to Elisha. We're gonna read a lot of Bible here. So get ready, buckle up. Here we go. Verse one. 2 Kings chapter two, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. That's just, I just want you to see that. We're gonna come back to that. He looks up, he says, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master uh, from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Verse five, the company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be, so be quiet. Verse six, then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Everybody together? <laughs> so the two of them walked on. 50 men, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm, before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Verse 10, you have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Big verse, Elisha saw. <laughs> saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and the left and he crossed over. I got it so good, so good. Here it is. On the very day that Elisha ends up with Elijah's double portion, he had to three times say, I'm not leaving you. No, 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 you stay here. 
I'm not leaving you. No, 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 you stay here. <laughs> I'm not leaving you. And I love the tenacity, the ferociousness, this determination where he was called to be the number two. He was called to serve Elijah and he's staying with him to the end. And so he knows very well that Elijah's going to the end and he's gonna stay with them to the very end. And here in this, Elijah, just before he gets taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire, he looks at, him, at Elisha and he goes, so what do you want? And this is Elisha who has burned the plows. This is Elisha who's left mom and dad. This is Elisha and he's killed his oxen and he has served faithfully as a servant for years. And he's been in obscurity. He's been the number two. And all of a sudden, the man who's left everything and served, serves, gets bold and says, give me a double portion. Give me what you have. I want to walk in the supernatural prophetic ministry that you've been walking in. And Elijah, old Elijah, oh, that's a hard request. Elisha, asking. And he doesn't even just say, hey, Elijah, you're the one who calls down fire from heaven. Hey, Elijah, you're the one that the ravens bring food because God takes care of you. And God, God does miracles too. I, I, I want what you got. He takes it up a level. He goes, I want double what you got. I just, I think third lap around the track with Elisha, as he'd say, ask boldly. Don't settle for little, ask big, ask, don't settle. Live with a spiritual hunger for the fullness of what God has on your life. Don't settle for little, the least you can do is ask and then watch just what God might do. And Elijah, taken up in the chair, he had taken his coat, bam, hits the river and they had walked across it. And now Elisha, he looks and Elijah had said, if you see me, you got it. You'll get it. He looks, he sees it. That's why he's screaming. Woo, my father, my father. And then he takes the coat, picks it up. Now where's the God of Elijah held the coat? Elisha, let's see. He said, if I see him, I've been serving a long time. I've left everything for this. And God called me. God told Elijah to come get me. And man, it's been a long journey. I've been serving a long time. I've given up a lot for this, but I'm gonna check it out and bam. And the water parts, just like it did for Elijah. And I just imagine, you're Elisha. Now you start to walk in what God's called you to, the fullness. You start to walk in the prophetic ministry, the supernatural experiences. And actually, Elijah did 14 miracles and Elisha did 28 recorded in scripture. That's exactly double. Elisha gets the double portion. Elisha, just the dude behind the plow and the oxen being faithful. God comes, hey, I got a calling for you. I, I got something I want you to do. What? burn the plows, I'm going. And I just think if we could see Elisha, he steps in. 
He's calling for water for the army. And in the middle of the drought, all of a sudden water comes down the stream. And the lady needs food, the widow needs food. And he's like, go fill these up with oil, fill up jars. And supernaturally, God fills up all these jars with oil. And she sells it, take care of her family. And lady and her husband, their son dies. Elisha lays on him and prays for him and he comes back to life. Naaman, the officer, comes to him with leprosy and he says, hey man, just go dip seven times in the Jordan. God uses him to heal, heal, raise the dead, provide for the poor. God takes Elisha into a supernatural calling. And I believe he's got a supernatural calling on your life. He's got a supernatural calling on my life. You have a prophetic call on your life. You've got things that God wants you to operate in. And here's the invitation. Kind of like the disciples that Jesus called, you leave everything, no turning back. I'm not going back to comfort. I'm not going back to my life. I'm doing the Jesus life. And it's gonna take a lot of faithful obscurity. It's, it's probably, and it may be that you don't ever receive any reward by man in your 70, 80 years on planet earth. But there will be a day that you'll look back and you'll go, wow, I saw God use my prayers to heal that person. I saw God use my faithful service to help that widow, that poor person. I saw God use my faithfulness and even my hiddenness and my sacrifice to make a difference in my little sphere of influence. And on that day, you would not trade any plow or cattle for the miraculous work of God in your life. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we love you today. And God, we ask that we would walk supernaturally. We ask, Lord Jesus, as we journey with Christ, we pray that we would persevere and walk in the fullness of what you have for us. I ask Holy Spirit that even now, God, even now I pray for people that are tempted to turn back. I pray that fix their eyes on you and get rid of the old compromised ways. Not fix their eyes on those things, but fix their eyes on you. If you're here today and you're saying, I just need, I need to see God's delight in me in my secret serving, my hidden faithfulness and obscurity. Just ask him, let me see your smile, God. Let me have great anticipation for eternity, but I wanna experience your pleasure in the present. invite you just to ask God, God, I want the fullness of what you have for me. Pray a bold prayer in your life. What, is, what does it look like for you? Give me a double portion. What is that bold prayer? God, I ask for, I ask for my whole family to know Christ. God, I pray that every man and woman in the hospital that I work at would come to know Christ. God, I ask you would heal 
supernaturally the friend I have that's sick. Just pray a bold prayer. Father, we as a church, we pray bold prayers. God, we pray that this Easter, we pray that we would see more people take a step into following Jesus than we've ever seen before. God, we pray that thousands of people would come to know Jesus in Kansas City because Radiant Church decided to serve and to love and to pray and to give. God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would see thousands of young people, teenagers step into the fullness of I'm gonna give everything to God. Father, we ask that we would make a difference, Lord God, in the nations that there would be people that come to know you because this little group of people gathered together and prayed and sought God and, and, and went and, and that we would see the great commission lived out in the present tense in our lives. God, we pray bold prayers. We ask Lord God for our city to be transformed. God, do a work. We ask in Jesus' name. So I invite you just, if you're here today and the greatest event in history was the day that Jesus gave his life, rose from the dead so that you could find life. And Jesus has created the way for you to have eternal life. And we wanna give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. It's the, it's the best way to live. It's, the way, it's what you're created for, to walk in relationship with God. So today, if you'll just you'll begin your journey, pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I turn from my way and I go yours. Have your way in me. Change me. Give me new life. I want to follow you. Not my way, but yours. Save me. Transform me. Give me new life in Christ. In Jesus' name.